How's everybody doing today? All right. Good morning. Good morning. You guys ready to have church? Yeah, I said church. Uh, don't judge me. Uh, well, I just want to welcome you. I'm super excited. Anytime I get to talk about Jesus, it's a good day. Amen. So I get excited uh, about uh, just sharing the word because it's like it's, I can talk about myself. But anytime I get to talk about Jesus and what he's done in my life and how we can build up the church, it's always it's always a good time. So today we're going to talk about extraordinary strength through everyday battles. We've been talking about the supernatural perseverance going through the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 6, specifically starting in verse 10. I'm going to just read this for us because I think there's it's powerful if we understand all of the context here. Uh, starting in verse 10, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Chuck, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. All right. Uh, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against Democrat or Republican. It is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to take your to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with the feet, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And we're going to be focusing here on verse 16. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is... The word of God. Can we pray one more time today? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much. God, I thank you that you have already gone before us to prepare a service, to prepare a message for our ears and for our souls. God, I pray that I would completely step out of the way and let you speak today. Holy Spirit, take complete control. Build us up today as we learn how to fight our battles. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Man, who is not wearing green today? I was going to say something, but I won't. Uh, remember how it used to be like we pinch people if they weren't wearing green? Somebody in the back said punch if they're not wearing green. I'm like, whoa, this is a whole different, another battle, man. Like, what's going on? It's just St. Patrick's Day. Relax. Um, anyways, we're going to review last week. Last week, if you, how many of you were here last week? Okay, cool. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to review. Last week, we talked about one, the belt of of truth, it fastens everything together. We we talked about that. Remember Justin Bieber, everybody's favorite homeboy. Uh, he was he was sagging his pants, and we talked about don't 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 sag. Um, and then remember everybody clapped when I said that. And then I talked about Jesus, and nobody clapped. Anyway, um, number two, we talked about the, <laughs> the breastplate of righteousness. This protects our most vital parts, our our heart. We want to protect our heart. Um, and number three, we talked about the shoes of the gospel of peace, footing for moving forward. We, we advance the gospel because we are outfitted with peace, with unity in a world that is so divided. Today, we're going to talk about the shield of faith, the fourth part of this armor. The shield of faith is, uh, is, is our certainty, our dependency. The Bible says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. If you do any history studying about the, the Roman Empire, we showed that, that, that graphic last week of how uh, expansive their territory was. Um, 
one of the main components of their armor was their shield, and they were these giant pieces of, uh, of wood and metal, and they would, they would hold them together, and it was one of the most vital parts because uh, it, it was at a distance from themselves, and they could, they could come together with the other soldiers, and they could form these uh, amazing formations. Dan, what was the word? Yeah, that. Um, they formed that, whatever that is, a formation, um, and so uh, they, would, they would be able to... Have you ever, ever, anybody seen 300? I like war movies. I like fighting movies, shoot them up, kill them, you know, all that. That's weird, right? Um, so uh, you see the formations that they would form with their, with their, their, their shields. Um, and I love how the Bible talks about how the shield is our faith. The question is today, what is, what is faith? And I think this is the big question that many of us have. Uh, from the time we're a little kid to even to those of us who are, are, are a little bit older, we, we have this question, what is faith? What is authentic faith? Let's first be clear about what faith is not, okay? Faith is not just emotionalism, okay? I, um, I, I, I grew up Baptist, and now I'm Pentecostal, so you can call me Baptocostal, but... Um, but I've seen a lot of people, um, we, get, we get this idea that if you feel God, then God is real. Or you, you have a sense of God, then all of a sudden God becomes um, more relevant or prevalent in your life. And that's just simply not the case. You cannot operate in your faith simply on emotion. You with me? Yeah. Okay. So, let me, quick example of that. How many times do you feel like not disciplining your kids or not raising your kids properly or, or you just feel like beating them to death anybody <laughs> oh my kids are here <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I forgot they were here i love you boys but i feel like that sometimes sometimes i don't always feel like being faithful to my wife right if we could be honest i don't feel like doing a lot of things in life but how many know it's not about how you feel it's about what you do you can't, faith is not just emotionalism. Also, faith is not just eggheadism, meaning that you can study, you can learn all the theology in the world, you know every single point, and you can, you can break down scripture and all this and that. There can't just be your mind. It cannot be just what you know in your head. And it's also not just empty habits. Faith is not just empty habits. What do I mean by that? Just because you grew up in church doesn't mean you're a Christian. Can I say that? Can I be honest and we can, today's going to be a tough message, I'll, I'll be honest, because I preached it to myself first. And I had to learn, I had to learn what, what God said to me in order for me to give it to you. But it's not about what we do. It's not just because you come to church or just because you put money in a basket. Faith is something that you have to learn and grow for yourself inside your own personal experience with God the Father. You with me? So it's not just our emotion, it's not just our heads, and it's not just our habits. Faith is formed by a combination of heart, head, habit, and heaven. It's all of the above. You have to have feeling when it comes to God. You have to feel the presence of God in your life. You have to also have a headiness about you that says, I know, be still and know that I am God. You have to understand who God is with your mind. You also have to have the habits of doing the things that God called you to do. It's by, we do our works in good religion, right? And it's also a bit of heaven touching us. So it's a combination of all of those things. So simply put, faith is the act of dependence upon God or the act of dependence upon whatever it is. Is there, are there any, uh, I just got to ask, are there any coffee drinkers in the house? Come on, come on. 
I got to tell you something about coffee. Let me hold this because it's good. I got two extra shots today. On Sundays, I got to do it because I'm not the same person without coffee. I I just want you to know my wife has to wake up to me and uh, I'm not I'm not always happy without coffee. I'm kind of a jerk without coffee. Um, My dad said amen last time like we go we go fishing in the morning. He's like, yeah, you're a jerk in the morning if you don't have coffee. I am not the same person without this glorious. Holy. Oh, this drink. So good. Um, This had espresso wakes me up and it's what I depend on in order to be the person that you see before you today, because without it, I would I would not be um, I would not be me. Um, I depend on coffee. Now, I wonder if the church would depend on Jesus the way that we depend on other things in our lives to get us through our lives. I wonder if the church will become dependent upon the presence of Jesus in our lives every single day in our prayer life, in our worship life, in the time that we read in the word. I wonder what the church would look like if we put aside our talents and our ministries and all of these things that we have going on, even even our families for a moment. If your family is what sustains you, then you don't have faith. Can I be honest with you today? Faith is the act of dependence upon God. To find real faith, one must first doubt their worldview. I love this quote that I found. When we doubt one thing, we are actually expressing faith in another. Listen, I doubt myself. I'll be completely honest with you because I believe in full transparency. I am not good at being good. (laughs) A few people that know me are like, yeah, we know. We are not good at being good. I'll be the first one to admit that I fail myself every single day. It takes doubt in one thing to express faith in another. There was a time in my life where I put all my faith in myself, in all of my talents, in all of my abilities. I could speak to anybody. I could form relationships. I could close business deals. I could do all of these things. But at the end of the day, I always fail. I always mess up at some point or another. You know, the great thing about doubting myself is that I can put all of my faith and dependency upon Jesus because at the end of the day, Jesus has never left me. Jesus has never forsaken me. He's never turned his back on me. Every time that I think about messing up and I will eventually mess up as a leader, can I stand before you and tell you if you put your faith in me, I'm going to fail you. Come on, don't don't listen to the way that I preach and expect that to formulate your faith. You have to have an experience with Jesus personally in order to build your own faith. I doubt myself, therefore I can have faith in Jesus. Now, what is doubt? Doubt is can be one of two things. It can be either a hiding place from God where you doubt God, or it can be a birthplace for faith. See, Doubting the world means that you have faith in Jesus. Doubting Jesus means that you put your faith in the world. You with me? You follow me? That's, that's pretty logical. And I want to say this. Believe it or not, and I know this sounds like completely crazy. I have no faith in politicians. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's one person. <laughs> I, have, I have zero faith in the economy. I have zero faith in, 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 in all of the abilities of everybody on this planet. Because there is evil, there is sin, and we live in a fallen world. 
And I cannot put all of my faith upon an elected official. I cannot put all of my faith in somebody that governs locally. I cannot do that because ultimately that person or that construct or that thing will fail. The one that will never fail is Jesus. Listen to this, parents. And I just want to take a side side note. Um, Parents, if you're here, I feel like because I've been a parent for seven years, I know everything. Um, (laughs) Yeah, right. Wait till they become teenagers. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm just I'm I know everything. Um, No, I doubt myself. But listen, um, parents, or if you're thinking about having kids, don't squelch or put out the doubt that's in your kids lives i believe that it's super important for us as we're raising our kids to allow them to ask questions does that make sense because if if we just say no don't doubt don't have doubt in god don't doubt the bible that's a healthy thing for you and your kids to have that discussion if you just say don't doubt do as i say what are they going to do when they go to college they're going to formulate doubt of god and they're going to start trusting the world so it's better for them to ask questions in our homes and make an atmosphere that is, that is available to them in order for us to teach them. Some questions for people who want to confront their doubt and grow their faith. Is my faith driven by a need for fellowship or a need for forgiveness? Do you come to church? Do you have this faith of yours simply because you fit in in a small group? Do you, do you walk around coming to church and carrying the title of a Christian Simply because you enjoy coming to church or is there truly a need in your heart to know that Jesus has forgiven you? Questions to ponder. Is my faith about the expectations of others? Did you grow up like I did having the label as a Christian kid? So therefore you must have this faith in place. Did you do you have this title? Even maybe your kids see you as this great Christian person, but you're struggling through your faith. What is it that you are living this faith Four, is it about the expectations of others or is it authentic? Is my faith about position or significance? And I, 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 I like talking to leaders and especially worship team people. Not that, not that the worship team's bad. Where are they at? But music. Anyways, um, so we got like, we, we, we turn our faith as we get a position in the church or maybe we volunteer and we come rise to a level uh, of status in the church, whether it be on the worship team or a leader, and we turn our faith, no longer is a faith, but it is a vocation. It's something that we get recognized for rather than something that is truly growing on the inside of us. Just think about these things. Is my faith heartfelt and there's no head? Or do I have all head and I don't feel really anything about my faith? Are the patterns in my life building faith as I walk through this life. Side note again, because I like taking side notes. Um, if we recognize how little we prayed, we wouldn't be so surprised at how much we struggle. If we recognized how little we interacted with God on a daily basis, we wouldn't be so surprised at how much we struggle, which leads me to a great point. Don't miss next week because Pastor Scott's going to be here preaching about prayer. Amen. How do you know that you've taken up the shield of faith? How do you know that you've truly, rather than carrying a title, that you've carried your shield of faith? When you place your dependency on Jesus, simply put, when you place 
Your dependency on Jesus. Dependency on Jesus protects us from the lies of Satan. I wonder if we could wake up every single day and have this ready. And we say, you know what? I Just like coffee, I can't function without coffee. I wonder if we could say this. Jesus, fill my cup, fill my life. Every single morning we wake up and you say, you know what? I can't go, mm, mm. His presence is so strong in my life. I can't. He wakes me up every morning. This is the dependency upon Jesus that I'm talking about. You have to have it in your mind and in your heart that says, you know what? I can't take a step out of my door without first praying. I can't make it uh, uh, through my job without interacting and praying and having time with, with God's spirit, with God's presence. This is Jesus needs to fill our lives. That is what faith is. The dependency upon God. I cannot function without him. That's, the, that's what faith in church is all about. Speaking of, of the fiery darts, um, I believe that the fiery darts in this passage are left ambiguous for a reason. So that we can't point to one thing or another and say that that is what a fiery dart is. You know what I'm saying? Like the Bible says that when you pick up your shield of faith, it protects and it extinguishes the fiery darts of the enemy. I wonder how many times we experience fiery darts on a daily basis. That little tiny little tiny dart that comes at you you can't change you're not good enough you're gonna fail again god hasn't really called you god hasn't changed your life you're always gonna be that same person you know those little fiery darts that i'm talking about i wonder if we could be real with ourselves and ask ourselves what are the areas of our life where we're exposed to the fiery darts of satan what are the areas of our lives in a real practical way saying, you know what? Okay, maybe I'm exposed in my mind. Maybe it's in my, my, my spirit, whatever it is. Maybe, maybe those little fiery darts, those lies of the enemy could all just be extinguished if we say, you know what, Jesus? I'm going to pick you up. And what, when you do, when you pick up the shield of faith, what that does, enemy throws his darts, they get extinguished. You don't even have to do that much. All you have to do is hold your shield. That's all it is. I depend on Jesus, therefore all the lies of the enemy can no longer stand against me. That's what the shield of faith does. I can stand here trusting Jesus, knowing that I'm protected. That's good. That is good news. All right. Let's go to the next, next one. Number five, the helmet of salvation. And I love this one. This is our sanity. This is our assurance. It says, the Bible says, to take the helmet of salvation. Simply put, the helmet is our assurance about what God thinks about us. Simply put. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. I love the fact that it wasn't me that saved me. I, I love the fact that it wasn't you that saved you. Because if it was, we would just have a competition to see whose grace is better. Right? If we were in, in church and we, and we saved ourselves it was, and it depended upon us and, it's, and it, was, it was by our works, I would look at you and judge your faith. You would judge my faith and we would never get anywhere. But thanks be to Jesus that it was all about Jesus. And the Bible says that it is by grace through faith that we are saved, not by our works so that no one can boast. I am so glad that I can trust in him because if it was all about myself, the Bible says, Isaiah 64, 6, all of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. All of our, right, all of our righteousness, our self-righteousness has become like filthy rags in the eyes of God. I am so glad that I depend on his goodness and not mine. It is all about Jesus. When, when Jesus went to Calvary, 
And he hung on the cross and he said, it is finished. All we have to do is accept that free gift of salvation. Salvation is a gift. What the helmet of salvation is, is a right reminder of that gift. Salvation is a free gift offered to all who confess and believe. The helmet of salvation is put on by believers to remind themselves of that gift every single day. The Bible says this in Romans 8.31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for me, for us, who can be against us? Listen, we are great at judging ourselves. Anybody, anybody judge themselves? Anybody ever mess up in the morning and say, you know, I'm disqualified forever from anything that God would have me to do? I'm horrible. I am the worst judge of myself. I think something wrong. I say something wrong. Listen, I like to talk. (laughs) You guys are like, yeah, I know. Um, But like when I say things, sometimes I get caught up and I start saying things. Like yesterday I was playing basketball with some people and they started jawing and I was like, and then I, I got sucked into it and I started saying some things. I was like, garbage, you're trash, you got no jumper. Like, I started saying these things. Can I be real? Like, <laughs> sorry, I talk trash. Um, but, like, when I say things, sometimes I, I stick, take a step back and I'm like, oh man, did I really say that? Like, how many times have we opened our mouth not thinking about what we're going to say? And then all, all of a sudden, automatically, we think, man, I wish I had never said that in the first place. And then on top of that, you condemn yourself for what you said. I, said, I spoke this to a brother or sister, and, and now I'm not good enough. As, as though your sin can disqualify God's grace upon your life. We think that we can condemn ourselves and that we can take away the grace of God that he has already lavished upon us. That's what we do. That's what we are really good at. I wish that we would reread Romans 8.31. If God is for me, I can't even be against me. Man, that's, that's, that's powerful. There's, there's, we got to understand these things. There, are, there is a line, and God calls us to think above the line. And th- I believe that so many believers are way below the, ro- the line with the bugs and the rats. We're thinking things about ourselves. We're never good enough. We're not qualified. I, can, I keep making the same mistake over and over again. I struggle with sexual immorality. I, 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 I am down here. Our minds are down here. But what does the Bible say? Set your mind on what? Things above right that's where we're supposed to soar with the eagles right we're not supposed to be down with the rats you need to get your mind out of that position of being below the line and you need to start thinking about yourself the way god sees you you need to start seeing yourself the way god sees you you need to start saying you know what i am more than a conqueror i can do all things through christ god has never left me i you know what god does have a plan for me and my family god does have this in store for me i am blessed you know, you got you to gotta get yourself out from, under, from underneath where we've been thinking for so long. And we got to rise above that line. And what the helmet of salvation does is it protects us from condemnation. I love how the Bible says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The question is, how do you know when you've put on the helmet of salvation? When you see you the way God sees you. When you see yourself the way God sees yourself. You know, some of you know my story. And in high school, I, I, was, I was an upset individual and I was dealing with depression and anger and suicidal thoughts and all this stuff. And when I was 16, I gave my life to Jesus. And I knew that I had given my life to Jesus and that I was secure in my salvation. I knew that Jesus had me. But the hardest thing for me to do was to forgive myself because of the things that I had done in the past. 
I could not for the life of me for years and years and years. I knew that I was secure in the love of God and that I was a child of God, but I couldn't forgive myself for the things that I had done, the things that I said, the people that I hurt. I never was able for years and years until I understood this scripture. Putting on the helmet of salvation blocks us from condemning ourselves. I wonder today, do you see you the way God sees you? Can you look in the mirror and see the person that God has created, the new creature that you are in Christ Jesus and not the person that you were 10, 15 years ago? Can you forgive yourself? You with me today? And number six, the sword of the spirit. This is our authority and our endurance. The Bible says to pick up the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. And if you, if you, again, if you do studying about the, the Roman gladius, which was the, the sword that they used, they were often armed with a dagger and they were armed with uh, a short, short range spears. Um, but the, the Roman soldiers, they had these, um, these swords that were meant for one hand battle and they could be controlled with one hand. It's not like the giant swords that you think of in like uh, Braveheart, you know, where they cut people in half. Gah! It's not just a big lop off sword, right? It's, a, it's the hand to hand, like, Quick fighting, we can, we can fight our battles. See what I did there? Um, the sword of the spirit is meant for close range, hand-to-hand combat. It's meant for multiple uses, multiple times, over and over again for the long run. Okay? So many times we think that the Bible or God's word is a nuclear warhead. This is not God's word. Okay? How many times do we pick up the word of God and when we're having a problem, when we're going through a situation and we pick up the Bible and, okay, um, God, lead me to a scripture that's going to fix all my problems right now. Mm, Ezra 3, when the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled, that doesn't apply to me. Wow, I'm going to give up, right? And it's like, oh, man, I don't know what to do. This didn't fix all my problems. See, we have this mentality that if we drop the word of God on something, a problem or a situation, that automatically it's going to instantly be okay. That's not what God is talking to us about here. The Bible, the word of God is the sword of the spirit. What does that mean? It's that it's meant for use over and over again. It's meant for small-term battles, small little battles, small little victories here lead to eventual victories there. That's what we need to understand the word of God is. We, we need to fight every single day. We got to get out of this fast food mentality. I believe we, we, we've become in, in this, this fast food mentality where I'm going to tell you about Jesus, and if you don't receive it, oh, I'm going to give up. And I'm going to move on to the next person. I just heard a story about a Christian woman who met a, a Buddhist woman four years ago. Four years ago, they met, they became friends, they went to Starbucks. Come on, somebody, Starbucks. Um, they went to Starbucks over and over and over again. They met continuously for four years. And every time the Christian woman would read the Bible, she would bring her word, and she would quote scripture, and she would tell her about Jesus. And this Buddhist woman had questions, and she said for four years, she was almost there. She was almost to the point, almost ready to receive Jesus into her life. You know what happened two weeks ago? She was in one of the services, not here, but at a different church. She was, she was in one of the services, and the Christian woman was watching because she knew something was going on. And when they said, hey, is there anybody here that wants to receive Jesus into their life? You know what she did? She raised her hand. And she went over there, and she gave her a huge hug. And you know what happened last week? She was baptized. Come on, that's good news. 
We need to understand that it is a constant endurance warfare. It is not something that we just drop a bomb on and all things are fixed. The word of God is applied in everyday levels and every situation that we have, we can apply the word of God. My kids aren't listening. I'm going to apply the word of God. My spouse is being crazy. I'm going to apply the word of God. Um, I'm just kidding. I love you. No, she does that to me. It's like, but it's a, it's a, it's a long term. We got to stand our, 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 our ground and we got to fight. We got to fight. It's that long term battle. We can't predict the future. I don't know what the next election holds. I don't know what the next uh, diagnosis from the doctor is going to be. I don't know what the, the long term health of my family is going to look like. I have no idea what the economy is going to look like five, ten years from now. But I do know one thing. Jesus said this. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never Pass away. I want you to know today that God's word is built for the long-term battle. It's not a nuclear warhead that we can just drop and fix everything instantly. The sword of the spirit every single day, applying it to every situation of our life, that is what gets us through to the end. And I want to just invite the worship team up here real quick. And I want to show you a picture. Anybody ever been on a, uh, a cruise ship? Raise your hand if you've been on a cruise ship. Come on, Royal Caribbean. Yes. Wow, the greatest time of my entire life. I got so spoiled on Royal Caribbean um, because the moment, if you've never been on a cruise ship, um, the moment that you step onto a cruise ship, you are completely catered to. There is nothing that you have to worry about. All of your, um, your, your passport, your credit card, your ID, everything is in one, on one little lanyard. Did you know that? It's like I can swipe this here. I can go off the ship. I can go into another country and just show a little card and just it's around my neck. Oh, welcome back, Mr. West, right? It's, it's amazing. And the moment you step onto it, there, there are three things that happen when you, when you go onto a, a cruise ship. You get fat. <laughs> you get sunburned. And you get fat. Okay? <laughs> That's what happens when you step on a cruise ship. Because why? The mentality that you have when on a cruise ship is, I'm here to be served, man. That's what I do. That's, that's what, you go onto a cruise ship in order to be waited upon. Every day they would make little creatures out of towels and put them on our bed. That's amazing. How'd you make an elephant out of a towel? That's cool. But that's, that's what the, the, the cruise is about. It's about being catered to. It's about being fat and being lazy. But I worry that our Christianity has become a cruise ship mentality. I worry that so many of us come to church expecting to be waited upon. I worry that so many of us come to church expecting the pastor to feed me, hand feed me some word, pastor. Give me something that I can survive on for the next week. I worry that the church, not here, but just globally, that the church has adopted a cruise mentality where we're just on autopilot. We come in to get fat. We we come to, to be lazy. And we are, what you see today is just ineffective, ineffective, People that just come and, and, yeah, we say hi to each other. We say we're blessed and all this stuff. But really, are we, have we adopted that mentality when in reality God has asked us to adopt the battleship mentality? I wonder what the church would look like if you've ever stepped onto a battleship. You understand that the, the passages are really narrow. There, are, there is not much room for comfort at all on this battleship if you've ever been onto a battleship there is no way that you are going to be served there is no way the mentality that you have to have on a battleship is how can i serve how can i fit in and how can i be of use on this battleship how can i help 
those who are on the ship protect those who we are protecting. That's the mentality that I believe God has given us. But I fear that we have to change, that we, that we have adopted this cruise ship mentality when God is saying, you know what, I need you to change today. And I told you this is going to be a little bit of a difficult message, but I want to encourage you today. And not out of a frustration or out of anger, but I want to encourage you today. Are you, is your faith, is your Christianity based upon being served? Or are you here to get involved and to advance the kingdom and to get and to serve others around you? The question that I have, who is responsible for your armor? Who is responsible for the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit? Who is it that's responsible in your life? You are. You are. I am. There is no, there is no, I'm going to ask so-and-so to put on my armor for me. Did you know that the Roman army was responsible individually for putting on and keeping and taking care of their own armor? It's just like football practice or football game. You cannot go into the game unless your gear is in order. So many of us are expecting to run out onto the field and do great things for God when our helmet's not even on. You haven't even put on your shoulder pads or, or any other. You haven't put on your cleats. You have nothing. And the referee's going to say, hold on, hold on, stop the game. You got to put on your, your gear. You got to put on your armor in order for you to step in and be a part of what, what is going on here. I wonder how many of us have taken up that mentality and understanding that Sunday is training. Sunday is practice. Monday is the battle. You with me today? Coming to church is not the battle. This is practice where we're here with each other to get prepared with each other so that we can have communion, so that we can have fellowship, so that we can encourage one another and teach each other how to put on our armor. Monday is the battle. When our kids don't listen, that's the battle. When you want to start sinning, that's the battle. When your boss is yelling at you, that's the battle. How do I continue to have the shoes of the gospel of peace when all of this chaos is around me? It's because you prepared on Sunday. That's what we're here for. That's why the church exists. I want to encourage you today. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Again, it's not your power. It's not your strength. It's not my strength. It's his strength. Why? 1 John 4.4 says, Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. I want to invite you to stand with me today. Would you just stand to your feet all over this place? And with every eye closed in this room, I just want to ask, if there's anybody here today that says, you know what, I, I have never truly met Jesus. I've never invited him into my heart. I've never known his presence. I've never known his goodness. I don't know that if I died today, I would make it to heaven. If you're here today and you say, you know what, I want to open my heart to Jesus, I want to tell you it's the greatest decision you will ever make. The absolute greatest decision I have ever made was saying yes to Jesus. He went to the cross and was broken and bled for you and for me. And every bit of suffering that we deserve, Jesus said, I'll take it for you. The Bible says, see, I have engraved you in the palm of my hands. When he went to the cross, he thought of you. And he thought of me. If you're here today, you says, you know what? I want to invite Jesus into my life. If that's you, with nobody looking around, just lift up your hand all over this room. If that's you, 
Lift up your hand. I see your hand. Awesome. Awesome. I see your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And with your eyes closed, I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for you because I believe it's super important for us to understand we have to step out of this place with the full armor of God on. And God, I pray right now for each and every person under the sound of my voice. God, I pray that you would equip us right now. God, to put our faith in you, to pick up our shield. God, to put on that helmet of salvation that says there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God, and I pray that we would pick up the word of God, the sword of the spirit, and we would love those around us, that we would speak truth and life to those around us and that we would be able to show Jesus to our neighbors and to our family. God, help us to fight every single day with the mentality that we are a part of something greater than ourselves. We aren't built to be on a cruise ship, but God, we are built to be on a battleship. Lord, help us adopt that mentality today. Bless your church, God. Bless us indeed. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Everybody say with me, amen and amen. Stay standing. We're going to worship together.